Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. As you can see, I am not in the studio. I'm staying with a friend. We're in Los Angeles uh, doing a few things, and you find any corner that you can in order to film the show. Uh, so we are doing the show from here today. Apologies for the uh, temporary setup, but enjoy the nice change in background. So much to talk about today, including the debut of Transformers Rise of the Beast, which just narrowly beat out across the Spider-Verse at the box office this weekend, and a lot more. So let's just jump right into it. It and look at this weekend's box office and we'll start as we always do with the box office top 10 at number one is transformers rise of the beast coming in on the high end of expectations just over 60 million dollars 61 million 44 dollars to be exact that means it edges out spider-man across the spider-verse which dropped 54 percent in week two for a 55.5 million dollar total although an interesting note i was reading this in the industry trades that were covering the box office according to to intelligence, which tracks not just box office grosses, but box office admissions, about the same number of people went to go see Transformers Rise of the Beast this past weekend as went to see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The difference is that Across the Spider-Verse gave up a lot of the PLFs, the premium large format screens, your 4DX, IMAX, etc., to Transformers Rise of the Beast. And because ticket prices are higher for those PLF screens, then Rise of the Beast got the box office win, even though about the same number of people went to go see both movies. And it actually kind of ties into something that we used to do here on the show, which was the bits index or butts in the seats. And I don't do it as much anymore. And it's for this exact reason, because we know what the average movie ticket price is right now, but I don't know exactly what percentage of a movie's ticket sales week to week are on these premium large format screens, which kind of skews the whole data. So that's why I don't do a lot of admission-based things anymore because there's enough traffic going to these larger screens that it kind of throws the whole thing off. So just another answer to an audience question that we've seen. Regardless, when it comes to dollars and cents, Transformers Rise of the Beasts is the number one movie at the box office, although with its $195 million budget plus marketing, it needs to continue to do well in this very competitive month of June. In third place in its third week of release was The Little Mermaid with a 44.1% drop and a $23.1 million total for the weekend. You can also see I've added the running box office totals here to this chart. So The Little Mermaid has made $229.1 million thus far. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse will surpass that total very soon. Little Mermaid is running about where Aladdin 2019 was if you don't adjust for inflation. Of course, again, the budget on Little Mermaid is the thing that we're looking at here and we'll see how it continues 
continues to hold up. But a $300 million domestic total, definitely not out of the question right now for The Little Mermaid. In fourth place was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That's exactly where it was last weekend. In its sixth week of release, a $7.2 million total and a total domestic gross so far of $335.6 million. The Boogeyman is in fifth place, a 42.1% drop in week two. That's pretty good for a horror film. $7.1 million weekend total and a running total of just under $25 million. In sixth place is Fast X, which drops 45% in its fourth week for a $5.2 million total a domestic total of 138.2 million dollars and it's going to get maybe over that 150 million dollar domestic mark and that's about it the super mario brothers movie in its 10th week of release still in the box office top 10 with a 2.2 million dollar weekend total and a domestic total of 570.2 million dollars the two stand-up movies about my father and the machine both taking pretty big drops in their third weeks of release sebastian maniscalco's about my father drops 59 in week three for a total of $837,000. Burt Kreiser's The Machine dropped 66.5% in week three with a total of about $576,000. It's largely because both of those movies lost a big amount of screens and will probably lose even more this upcoming weekend. Both movies still cracking the $10 million mark, though, at the box office. And then rounding out the top 10 is Past Lives, which increased to 26 theaters, but its total of $520,000 was enough to get it into that box office top 10 for the weekend overall. Dropping out of the top 10 this weekend, You Hurt My Feelings, after two weeks in the top 10. And of course, the live Sugar August D concert, which was a live stream, dropping out of the top 10 after one week since it was a one-off event. When we look at what I like to call the road to recovery, we see once again the total box office this past weekend was above both the average box office from 2021 to 2022 after theaters reopened during the pandemic and also above the average that we are seeing from 2015 to 2019. The top performing film for 2015 to 2019 was the continued run of Wonder Woman. The top performing film for the last two years was the debut of Jurassic World Dominion, which came out on this weekend last year and we see that we are just above the pre-pandemic total and we'll see how we do this upcoming weekend. It spikes very big, especially in the pre-pandemic era and we don't quite know how The Flash is going to do so I think it is likely that we may dip below that blue line again but let's see what happens at the box office this weekend. I said that we were going to bump this up a little bit as we got deeper into the summer. Let's look at the summer box office chart. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is still the number one movie of the summer with $335.6 million. The Little Mermaid at number two with $229.1 million. But Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse will very soon be the second highest grossing movie of the summer because it currently sits at $225.5 million. Fast X drops down one spot from last week to the fourth highest grossing movie of the summer with $138.2 million. Transformers Rise of the Beast debuts on the chart at number five. The Boogeyman's at number six. Book Club The Next Chapter drops two spots to number seven. About My Father drops down one spot to number eight. The Machine drops down one spot to number nine. And Love Again drops down one spot to number ten. It would be assumed that we will see at least two new movies on this chart next week. Elemental and The Flash. Just how high up this chart they will both be, we don't quite know. And looking at my predictions versus the actual summer box office, 
The Little Mermaid is not going to be the number one movie of the summer. That's increasingly obvious. But picking Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse at number two, a lot of people said that was overly optimistic. That may have been undershooting its performance a bit. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which I picked to be the third highest grossing film of the summer, still sitting at number one on the actual charts. And then Fast X, which is currently number four, I picked it as the eighth place movie. Now, Transformers Rise of the Beast may be my first big misstep because I did not pick it to be one of the 10 highest grossing films of the summer. That $61 million opening is a good start. And the question now is, which one of these movies could it replace? I put Elemental on my top 10 summer box office movies. I think after this upcoming weekend, I may regret that decision. It was easier at the beginning of the year for me to think of a summer without a Transformers movie in the top 10 than a summer without a Pixar movie in the top 10. But you also have to remember I'm making those picks way back in late April, early May. I don't think that Pixar and Disney have closed the deal with the marketing for Elemental. And I don't think that it's going to be a very impressive debut. We'll see this time next week just how it does. This is a new chart. I call it the race for number one to see what the top grossing film of the summer may be. As of now, I think that we have three contenders, The Little Mermaid, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and Across the Spider-Verse. So these are their daily domestic grosses as you compare them to each other. And you'll see that The Little Mermaid is falling off the pace. That's why I said it's not going to be the number one movie of the summer. I just don't see it closing that gap between it and Guardians 3. And that gap actually gets wider as time goes on. But look at Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That is the line there that you see in purple. Its first three days, it ran almost even with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But those weeks... Weekdays, the fact that Spider-Verse is open during the pure schools out for summertime of the year, you see that gap widen. Now it narrowed again when we look at the weekend box office, but if Across the Spider-Verse continues to do well during the weekdays this upcoming week, and if it still does well during this upcoming weekend against competition like The Flash and Elemental, then I think that it is very likely that it will continue to be on track to be the highest grossing film of the summer so far although you never know we could add another movie on here if it starts making a play for number one but as of right now i would say that the little mermaid has fallen off the track for being the number one movie of the summer guardians of the galaxy volume 3 has done well but spider-man across the spider-verse is currently on pace to outperform it and could well be the number one film of the summer when all of the dust settles Let's take a look outside the domestic market and see what the top five films internationally were. Transformers Rise of the Beasts brings in $110 million around the world, followed by Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which brings in $47 million. The Little Mermaid is in third place with $29.9 million, followed by Fast X with $20.5 million. The Roundup, No Way Out, rounding out the top five with $12.2 million. When you combine the international box office and the domestic box office, we get our top five films worldwide and it's almost the same films in that order transformers rise of the beasts opens to 171 million dollars worldwide we'll see where that falls as far as the franchise in just a moment spider-man across the spider-verse banking another 102.5 million dollars in second place for the weekend the little mermaid bringing in 53 million dollars worldwide followed by fast x at 25.8 million and guardians of the galaxy volume 3 at 13.9 million 
So let's talk about Transformers Rise of the Beasts and where it falls when you look at it versus other films in the franchise. We've been doing these franchise trackers for a couple months now, and of course we did build one out for the Transformers franchise. Looking first of all at how it did by opening weekend domestically for these films, Rise of the Beasts is actually a bit of an outlier because every other film that was branded Transformers, save for the original animated film, has not opened on a Friday. They have all opened on other days of the week, so these openings would likely be much higher if the films had opened on Friday, but that's just not the case. The biggest opening weekend, or at least opening three-day weekend for a Transformers film, was Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, but it opened on a Wednesday. Still tops on this list, though, for $108.9 million total. Transformers Age of Extinction brought in just over $100 million on its first weekend, but it also opened on a Wednesday, as did Transformers Dark of the Moon, which brought in $97.8 million. The original Transformers is there in fourth place, but it opened on a Tuesday, which meant that it had three full days of release before it started tracking its quote-unquote opening weekend. Then we see Transformers Rise of the Beasts officially going down as the fifth highest grossing opening weekend for a Transformers film, besting Transformers The Last Night, although it should be noted again, that film also opened on a Wednesday. Bumblebee's in seventh place with $21.6 million, and then the Transformers The Movie bringing up the rear, as you would imagine, with $1.7 million. When you adjust these for inflation, you see that Transformers Revenge of the Fallen brought in $154 million in its first weekend of release, with Transformers Dark of the Moon at $131.9 million and Transformers Age of Extinction at $128.1 million. The original Transformers brought in $103.1 million adjusted for inflation. And then you see Rise of the Beast still there at number five, just edging out Transformers The Last Night, which brought in $55.2 million in its first weekend, then Bumblebee in 7th place, and The Transformers the movie in 8th place. Let's lay down some baseline stats for how this movie is tracking against the other films in the series domestically. This is total domestic gross. You see that the highest grossing film in the franchise was Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, the second movie, which brought in $402.1 million, followed by the third film Transformers Dark of the Moon, which brought in $352.3 million. Then the original Transformers at $319.2 million. The fourth film and my least favorite in the franchise, Transformers Age of Extinction at $245.4 million. And then Transformers The Last Night, which really fell off from its predecessor at $130.1 million. Bumblebee, which came out the year following Transformers The Last Night, grossed about the same domestically, $127.1 million. And then Transformers Rise of the Beast has a good start on these other two films, Bumblebee and Transformers The Last Night. If it can have legs of just two times its opening weekend, then it'll be competing to best the domestic box office gross of both of those films. And then again, we have The Transformers, the movie from the 80s, rounding out the list at $5.8 million. If you adjust those domestic totals for inflation, you'll see that Transformers Revenge of the Fallen brought in $568.6 million domestically. It was a huge hit. Transformers Dark of the Moon bringing in $475.2 million, and the original Transformers live-action film bringing in just over $400 $67 million. Transformers Age of Extinction bringing in $314.5 million adjusted for inflation, followed by $161 million for Transformers The Last Night and $153.6 million for Bumblebee. Rise of the Beast is there at number 7 with $61 million. And then The Transformers The Movie with a $16.1 million domestic adjusted total. 
And then finally, looking at these films by worldwide box office total, Transformers Dark of the Moon was actually the top grossing film of the franchise worldwide with $1.123 billion, followed by Transformers Age of Extinction with $1.104 billion. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen comes in third place with $836.5 million, followed by $708.2 million for the original Transformers film, $602.8 million for Transformers The Last Night, Bumblebee coming in at $465.1 million, and then Transformers Rise of the Beast kicking off with just over $171 million worldwide. The Transformers, the movie, with a $5.8 million global total. It should be noted, though, when we look at Transformers Rise of the Beasts and Bumblebee, Rise of the Beasts cost about twice what Bumblebee did, so even if it matches Bumblebee's theatrical revenues, it still has a lot more to make up. So that gets us up to date on the Transformers franchise. Let's update how the Spider-Verse is looking and where across the Spider-Verse falls when you look at it compared to the other Spider-Man films. Domestically, it's crossed $225.5 million, which means that it has bested not only the domestic gross of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, but also 2014's The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and both Venom films. When you adjust those numbers for inflation, though, across the Spider-Verse falls back just a little bit. It's still in 12th place just above Morbius but will soon pass Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Venom Let There Be Carnage, the original Venom and the Amazing Spider-Man 2. So this time next week it should be the 8th highest grossing Spider-Man film when you adjust for inflation. And then looking at it by worldwide box office total, it has surpassed the worldwide gross already of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse at $390 million. If it can hit that half billion mark it will pass the global box office of Venom Let There Be Carnage. But then there's a big jump before it would hit The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which made over $700 million worldwide. I don't know if this movie's going to do it, but the next one may very well. And when we talk about profitability, I mentioned last week that the relatively low budget of Across the Spider-Verse, around $100 million, is going to help it get into that profitability range using just theatrical grosses. Before you start counting things like merchandising and and product tie-ins and all that kind of stuff. And this just goes to show you how much money Across the Spider-Verse is poised to make. So this is the profitability chart for Across the Spider-Verse. Again, these are given market estimates. These are not official numbers. It keeps 20% of what it makes from China. That's $6.5 million. 40% of its international gross. That adds another $52.7 million into the pot. A 60% share of the first week of domestic release equals about $102 million. And then a 55% share of domestic week two is about $30.5 million so far. When you add all of that up, out of a total gross of just over $390 million, I estimate that Across the Spider-Verse is netting $191.7 million. And when you have a production budget of $100 million, and I'm giving it a print and advertising cost of another $100 million, that means total cost of $200 million, which also means that just $8.2 million more is needed to come in from the box office side, from ticket sales only, for it to break even, which means that this week, most likely, Across the Spider-Verse will break even theatrically, meaning its theatrical box office gross will make up for the budget and the marketing budget, 
and the rest is all profit coming into the studio and the other investors. Of course, that profit then gets dispersed between the studio, anybody that may have profit participation points, etc. It's not like all of that money goes right back into the bank, but still, this is great news for the Spider Universe and why it is important to keep your budget under control because this is something that has killed other movies and we've been talking about it this summer that even if you're doing well internationally, domestically, or both, if you have an out-of-control budget, then you're going to have some trouble. Well, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse doesn't have a whole lot of trouble, and it looks like it's going to be bringing in a lot of money just from ticket sales. Speaking of a movie that brought in a lot of money, and it actually is a bit antithetical to that whole keep your budget under control thing, Avatar The Way of Water officially has ended its theatrical run here domestically. It also hit streaming this past week on Disney Plus. So I wanted to take a moment and look at just how much money it actually brought in based solely on movie ticket sales. And this is an example of a movie that had a budget that was huge and yet was able to back it up with a big audience appeal. So let's look at the final theatrical profits for Avatar The Way of Water. 20% of its Chinese gross brings in about $49.1 million. 40% of its international gross brings in another half billion plus $556 million. The first week domestically a 60% share. It's likely that more of that went back to Disney, but I'm estimating it at 60% just as a standard across the industry. That's $118.5 million of 55% share of its second week is another $88.3 million. And because people kept on seeing it, a 50% share of its release from the third week of domestic on is $162.9 million. Now, this is where the huge sunk costs come in. A budget reported of $400 million. Now, how much of that is R&D for Avatar 3? We don't know, but at multiple places have cited the budget as $400 million. I also found a cited source saying that the prints and advertising budget for Avatar the way of water was 175 million dollars which means that disney sunk 575 million dollars of cost into avatar the way of water the final gross was around 2.3 billion dollars now by these numbers i estimated a net of 975 million dollars from ticket sales alone deadline in their most valuable blockbuster tournament actually estimated that $1.2 billion came back from ticket sales, and that's probably because Disney does take a higher gross of the box office. I don't normally change the percentages based on studio because I want to try to keep these calculations standard, but I think it is very likely that Deadline's right, and it was a billion dollars plus that came in from the theatrical revenue alone, so this profit margin is probably higher. But given my estimate of $975 million coming in from ticket sales against costs of $575 million, as exorbitant as that is, I estimated a theatrical profit, this is just based on movie ticket sales, of $400 million for Avatar The Way of Water that went back to the studio and investors, that went to James Cameron's pocket because he's a profit participant. There were a lot of people that made a lot of money off of Avatar The Way of Water, and this is a case where you look at that budget and say, well, this is going to be a disaster. Well, it could have been, but then you've got James Cameron, and instead you have hundreds of millions of dollars of profit flowing in. We've got so much more to get to, but before we do, I'm going to take a moment and thank the sponsors for this week's show. This episode is brought to you by Collective, and you know, some things sound too good to be true, but in this case, it's actually real, because if you run your own business, 
you have a chance to save an average of $10,000 on 2023's taxes, but you have to do it right now with Collective.com. Collective is the all-in-one financial solution for freelancers, contractors, and self-employed entrepreneurs like photographers, trainers, and, well, YouTube movie critics. If you're making north of $60,000 in profit per year, Collective is the perfect marriage of technology plus human tax and accounting experts to take the work off your hands and maximize your savings on taxes. If you've done business this year, you have until June 30th to make an S-Corp election, which means Collective can still save you thousands of dollars in taxes by backdating your selection to January, making Collective the membership that pays for itself and then some. So act before June 30th to save potentially thousands of dollars in 2023 taxes. Go to collective.com to save on taxes this year and have someone who knows what they're doing handle your setup, accounting, bookkeeping, and taxes. That's collective.com. This episode is brought to you by Stamps.com. And you know, one of my favorite home additions that we've done is smart lighting, which lets us turn the lights off and on with our voice. It's made things so much easier. And if we're going digital with the lights in our houses, then why are we still shipping the old-fashioned way? If you mail or ship things often, let Stamps.com do the hard part for you. Simply print postage and shipping labels right from your home or office, and it's ready to go in minutes. No long lines or complicated setup required. Postage rates just went up again and will probably keep on rising, but Stamps.com has huge carrier discounts up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates, and their system will find your best discount automatically. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and printer. They even send you a free scale to get things started. That means no more going to the post office to get stamps or even drop off a package. You can schedule pickup right on your dashboard. For 25 years, stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses because you can get access to the USPS and UPS services you need right from your computer anytime, day or night. Avoid the hassle of shipping the old-fashioned way. Sign up with promo code MERL for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MERL. Very quickly, let's do an update on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Its domestic total is now at $335.6 million, which means it has moved past Iron Man, it has moved past the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and it has moved past Spider-Man Homecoming to become the 15th highest grossing film in the MCU's history. If it makes another, let's say, $9 million domestically, then it will pass Thor Love and Thunder to become the 14th highest grossing film in the MCU domestically. So we should see that movement happening probably this this time next week. Looking at the MCU domestically adjusted for inflation, Guardians Volume 3 is about $15 million behind Thor Love and Thunder. Again, I think it should get there pretty easily, and it'll probably settle behind Thor Ragnarok as the 19th highest grossing MCU film domestically adjusted for inflation, so it's going to split up those two Thor films. And then a quick update with The Fast and the Furious. Fast X has now passed Fast 5 to become the sixth highest grossing film in the Fast and Furious franchise. Now the question is, will it be able to pass F9, the Fast Saga, for number five? It would need to make another, let's call that $72 million, and I'm not sure that it's got it in the tank. We'll see, but should Fast X failed to pass the gross of F9 the Fast Saga, that would be a setback for the franchise because it should have done that easily with the hype of the saga ending and the fact that you are in a much better, more recovered theatrical marketplace. 
you would think that it would not fall behind the gross of the previous film in the franchise, but audience interest in the Fast and Furious franchise has been waning for some time now, which is just a perfect time for Vin Diesel to ramp things back up. Let's look at some other charts for this past weekend, and we'll start with the top per theater averages. Past Lives, the champion last week, is again the champion. It expanded to 26 theaters and brought in just over $20,000 per theater. Transformers Rise of the Beast is in second place. It brought in $16,597 in each of its 3,678 theaters. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse comes in second place, bringing in $12,814 in each of its 4,300-plus series. In fourth place is the documentary film Squaring the Circle, the story of Hypnosis, which is about the English design firm that did some of the most famous album covers of all time, most notably Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, as well as several of Led Zeppelin's albums. It was in one theater, I believe, in New York, and brought in $9,300 in that one theater. And then in fifth place is the Roundup No Way Out, playing in 28 theaters and bringing in just over $5,500 per theater. Looking at the top films in limited release, meaning 1,000 theaters or fewer, Past Lives is at number one on this chart as well, bringing in $520,000 in 26 theaters, followed by You Hurt My Feelings, which is in 427 theaters and brings in another $417,000. The Indian film Maur, and I'm sure that I mispronounced that, is in third place, bringing in $333,000 in 88 theaters. It is a Punjabi language film from India, a historical drama about resistance against the British Empire in Punjab. In fourth place is Mending the Line, starring Brian Cox, which brought in $225,000 in 403 theaters. It's about a Vietnam veteran played by Cox who helps another Vietnam vet heal through the art of fly fishing. And then in fifth place is the Roundup No Way Out in 28 theaters. It brings in another $155,000. Of course, these limited release specialty films are often found in the independent theaters that are scattered around the country. And I'm going to be taking a moment, as I've done for the past several weeks, to spotlight one here on the show. And this week we are talking about the Gibson Theater, which is located in Batesville, Indiana. Literally a Main Street theater built originally in 1921. It played silent films until 1920. 29 when it was upgraded for talking pictures and it has stayed on main street for over 100 years serving the town of batesville current population just over 7,000. the gibson features neon lights and is one of the most historic of historic theaters and right now they actually need a little bit of help because they've been trying to raise funds to buy new seats for the theater the ones that they have are very loved after decades of use and need to be replaced so they've had an ongoing fundraiser for quite some time and they are a 501c3 organization, meaning that all donations to them are tax deductible. Of course, for the Gibson, as with every theater that we feature here on the show, 10% of the ad revenue for this video will be donated and hopefully maybe will help them buy these new seats. The Gibson plays host to first-run movies, local shows, and even free films for kids on Wednesday mornings during the summer. If you want to find out more about the Gibson Theater, including how to donate, you can go to thegibsontheater.com. And if you do decide to drop a donation or drop in to see a movie, as always, be sure to tell them that Dan sent you. 
Let's take a look at some 2023 yearly charts, and we'll start with the domestic box office. The Super Mario Brothers movie remains a healthy number one with $570.2 million, followed by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 at number two. The Little Mermaid jumps up two spots to become the third highest grossing film of the year, but it will soon be passed by Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which jumped four spots from last week and is now at number four for 2023. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania drops down two spots to number five, John Wick Chapter 4 also drops two spots to number six. Creed 3 drops one spot to number seven. Fast X drops one spot to number eight. And then Scream 6 and Megan round out the top ten. Looking at the calendar 2023 domestic box office, meaning all tickets sold since the beginning of the year, this is beginning to match up more and more with the regular 2023 box office. Avatar The Way of Water has the third highest gross of any movie selling tickets this year, but it is looking to slip behind perhaps both The Little Mermaid and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse in the weeks to come. But right now, the top three for the year so far are the Super Mario Brothers movie, Guardians Volume 3, and Avatar The Way of Water, with The Little Mermaid at number four and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse at number five. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is at six, followed by John Wick Chapter 4, Creed 3, and Fast X. Puss in Boots The Last Wish is on the precipice of dropping out of the top 10. It's at number 10 with $124.3 million in tickets sold this year. This is the top 10 worldwide for the year so far. The Super Mario Brothers movie still the only film in the billion dollar club at $1.3 billion, followed by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with just over $800 million. Full River Red is at number 3. Fast X moves up one spot to number 4 with $648.3 million, with The Wandering Earth 2 dropping down one spot to number 5. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is at number 6. John Wick Chapter 4 is at number 7. The Little Mermaid is at number 8. It's now broken $400 million globally. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has almost broken that mark. It's at $390 million globally and at number 9 on the chart, which drops Creed 2 down one spot to number 10. Before we go, as always, I like to take a look at a weekend in box office history, and this week we are looking at June 8th through the 10th, 1984, the 23rd weekend of the year. And did you know that these two movies actually opened the same weekend? The number one film that weekend was a new movie called Ghostbusters, which opened to $13.5 million, but right behind, competing for number one, was another new film called Gremlins with $12.5 million. That's right, Ghostbusters and Gremlins opened against each other on the same June weekend in 1984. In third place was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in its third week of release for a total of $12 million and a running domestic total of $88.7 million. Followed by the second week of Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, it fell off 42.3% from its opening and did $9.6 million in weekend two for a running domestic total of $34.8 million. And debuting in fifth place was the film Beach Street, which brought in $5.2 million if you don't know Beat Street, it opened about a month after the film Break-In. It was part of a cluster of films inspired by breakdancing and early hip-hop culture. Very influential films in the U.S. and around the world as that movement began to build. Of course, we don't just look at these weekends free from context. We also like to see what those grosses would translate to in today's dollars, which means we're going to hit that inflation button. And when we look at those totals, we see that Ghostbusters opened to an adjusted total of $39.6 million, followed by Gremlins with its adjusted opening weekend total of $36.5 million. 
And right behind that, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, with its third week total of just over $35 million and a running domestic total of $259.1 million. Star Trek III The Search for Spock putting up $28 million adjusted for inflation in week two for a $101.7 million adjusted domestic total. And Beach Street putting up $15.2 million when you adjust for inflation. And that does it for the show this week. Opening this weekend, of course, we have The Flash, and we'll see how that stacks up against the DC Universe. Of course, we'll probably be looking at a brand new franchise tracker for those films. Also opening Pixar's latest film, Elemental, which many thought might move off this date, but they are opening against each other. Also opening in wide release this upcoming weekend is the horror comedy The Blackening. And in limited release, this should see a lot of play, Wes Anderson's new film Asteroid City, which is doing one week in limited release before opening in wide release next weekend. Also in limited release this weekend, we have the Indian film Adi Purush. And if you want to watch a theatrical film at home, Chevalier, which came out earlier this year, will be available to rent and buy on streaming video this weekend. Of course, I'll be back here next week to break all of that down, but it's a very busy week here on the channel. I actually extended my trip by one day because I will have a chance on Wednesday night, unless something changes, to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which means on Thursday morning, you will be getting my review of that film. I don't have to wait for the embargo because the embargo's already down since it debuted at the Cannes Film Festival. So Thursday morning, look for my review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Friday morning, you can look for my review of Elemental. Then on Saturday, I'm going to bring you my full Flash spoiler review. I'm going to go back, see the movie again, take some notes, and give you my full thoughts on that movie. And there are a lot of spoiler thoughts to go into. And then I think on Sunday, I'm going to try to bring you my review of Netflix's Extraction 2, which also hit streaming platforms this weekend. So it's a very busy weekend for movie fans and a very busy week for me here on the channel, as well as traveling back and forth. So I appreciate you spending your time here with me. Thank you to all of my sponsors this week, but most of all, thank you for watching. I'll be back next time from this room or maybe a different room, a hotel room, maybe the studio. Who really knows? You never really quite know where I'm going to be broadcasting from, but I will always be found right here on this channel, and I appreciate that you're here too. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.